the culture, hip hop and contemporary art in the 21st century. Now you're probably saying, Boogie, why you got such a nice title like that? that, that, that. So the culture of hip hop and contemporary art in the 21st century is an exhibition that is in collaboration with the St. Louis Art Museum and the Baltimore Museum of Art. If hip hop is your thing, or even if it's not. I think it'd be hard to find anybody that's not influenced by hip hop. Almost like a, if you know, you know. Join the big dog Boogie D and Andrea Purnell on the podcast about the culture of hip hop and the contemporary art in the 21st century. That's Art Podcast. Join us. Once again, welcome to another exciting episode of That's Art Podcast. Uh, I have one of the people that's actually featured in the exhibit. He is in the Great Day in St. Louis photo, producer extraordinaire Ronnie Notch. What's going on, Ronnie? What's up, man? How are you? I'm good, man. I mean, one of the things I would like to start out with so everybody can kind of understand your importance to St. Louis hip hop as a producer entrepreneur and all the other things let's give us just give us a quick backdrop on your history as it relates to doing music here in st louis so mine is different man i started i guess you could say 12 13 uh-huh. uh i started as a dj and i know it's like long gone now but i was djing at saint skating rink so i was like if my mom couldn't take me i had a friend that i was riding with uh to go to work and I was DJing. So my love for music, I would say, in terms of like hip hop, started at the skating rink. It just evolved from there. You know, it it evolved from a place of playing people's music to creating my own. So what got you into producing? Getting tired of playing other people's music. That's what got me into the production side of it. Like it just got to a point where I was like, I think I had, I think my love for wanting to create music superseded my love for playing music at that point really yeah 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 like um it was cool you know what i mean it was cool djing and people skating and you know everything like that but i felt like i could contribute and i felt like i had enough creativity to offer something which at the time felt like a really competitive space um that i could add something offer something that wasn't present you know, I'm not saying like invent the wheel, but make the wheel a little bit better. So give us a couple of joints that you produced. Give us some of the tracks that you produced. So somebody listening to the podcast right now will go, oh, I didn't know Ronnie Notch did that. Um, some titles I won't say, but I will say, well, it's St. Louis. So we'll say thick with it, which is Hakeem. crazy. Yeah, Hakeem, um, which is crazy because that was like my third credited work. First song I ever did was a song with, uh, corrupt and his brother Smith. Uh, what was his name? I forgot what his brother's name was. Actually, that was the first credited work I ever had on a Lil Zane mixtape. And then um, I did fortunate enough to do some work with Pimp C uh, under a group called Them Texas Boys, like 2006, right when he got out of jail in the end of 2005, going into 06. Okay, but it wasn't until I moved back to St. Louis that I was able to get credited work with my name attached to it. and But it wasn't until coming back to St. Louis in 06 that I kind of gave myself, I gave myself two years to get a song on radio, which was foolish to even have that kind of a goal. But I gave myself two years to at least have a song on radio or in the clubs. And in six months um, from when that song was created, to radio uh, is when it hit radio. 
stick with it by Hakeem. Yep. Okay. All right. Make sure we on My that. Stick, stick oh, with no, it. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. So when you were asked to be a part of the great day in St. Louis photo, how did you feel? Uh, I think I sent Mastermind a message back uh, asking him, are you, you should you like, you send this to the right person. And it wasn't like, you know, it was just more so like, are you sure? Because I never, I guess I don't look at it that way. Like I've never looked at myself as a uh, contributor, so to speak, when it comes wow. to St. Louis. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know why. I never look why, at it. Why like would that. you? Why would you say that? Why would you feel like you, you, you did not contribute? I mean, think with it, still one of the biggest St. Louis club classics in the Lou right now. I get that, and I appreciate that. I even received that. I think you would have to know the trajectory of Keem and I to really understand what that is, because you figure that was something that was made around this time in 2006, hit summer 07. And it's kind of like, after that, I kind of stopped doing rap production like two years later. So me, as I look at it, I look at the people like, I look at a mastermind or I look at some of the younger people that are coming up. I look at a C-Note and I look at them, even Smino and others. And it's like, that's the now. And I look at their contributions and I look at it like, mm, you know, you kind of got out. So I was honored. I think that it was a, it's a great thing for St. Louis. Um, when I saw an Adrian, and Adrian sent me a message too. And when I got his message, I was like, okay, of course, like I'll do anything for Adrian. Um, and then when I got there, it just felt like this big hip hop reunion. Um, okay. Everybody that was there, uh, it was a beautiful day. Like the title, A Great Day in St. Louis, um, doesn't even fully capture what that day was because Indeed. there were people there. I'm sorry, my bad, go ahead. No, I'm just saying the energy that day for you was was nuts. Yeah, I mean, you know, like it was people that, that I used to like look up to. Like when I used to DJ at Saints, Wally and Jay and Coco were in the studio working on Nelly's album. You know what I mean? And I used to be like, man, I'm gonna get in that studio one day. And we used to actually sneak in the studio, whether we were really sneaking or not, I don't know. But we used to go into the studio when they weren't there. So to be around them and talk to them, you know, Jay wasn't there, but Wally and Coco, like as peers, you know what I mean? Um, to me, was dope, man. It was uh, them putting that together, the way that it was put together. To me, it was a moment that was needed in St. Louis. And I guess it could be said that we needed that moment a long time ago, but it was right on time. How did you feel when you went to the museum to see the, the, the culture exhibit and you saw the photo actually in this exhibit and knowing that it's going to travel with this exhibit? How did you feel about actually seeing it? Like, oh, I'm actually in a museum part of a hip-hop cultural experience how did how did that when you first saw the photo actually hanging there what did you say to yourself uh you know uh like i'll take a step back like before you even make it to the photo you get a chance to walk through like all of this history right of hip-hop and um, to see all of the artwork um you know as you go through that puts it into perspective and honestly i was very glad that the picture was at the end because it gives you no choice. Even if you know you're a person who went there just to see yourself, which is okay, right? But if you were a person who just went to see yourself, you still gotta walk through and appreciate and at least acknowledge everything else that is being considered a contribution to hip hop that's in this exhibit. So by the time you make it to that photo, from my experience was, 
you still feel like a small piece of this big thing that is hip hop and has been hip hop since what, like 1978. So um, it, it, it was a, it was cool. Our kids were with us, uh, with me and Tiff. So I just kind of played it. I just, I saw the picture and we said, oh, look at this picture. And we just waited to see if the kids would recognize, um, would recognize me in there. And our oldest, uh, Bryson, saw it in his face and him pointing and smiling. That was dope. Like, I can't front. Like, that was really dope. And then to step back and actually look at the picture uh, and then remembering that day, like, like that was a really good day. And then remembering that day while looking at the final result of it, it just a needed moment, man. Um, completely honored, completely humbled, grateful uh, is is ultimately what the feeling what else? What else stands out in the the exhibit, the culture exhibit that you want to bring up here on the podcast? For you, they hit you really hard. What were some of the other art pieces that you really was like, yo, that's crazy? Man, there was a lot. And um, I, you see, I got the book, man. I'm a fan. Like, I got the hoodie, the hat, the book. Like, there was a there was an exhibit that showed DJ Screw. And my, I guess, like, love and respect for, like, what the South uh, did to not only, like, the trajectory of my career, but their contribution of hip-hop. It was dope to see that because the many hands of DJ Screw mixing all these records and just to see that acknowledged um, is often something that gets overlooked when you talk about the big picture of hip hop. And then, you know, me being a DJ, like I found a broken turntable in a house. You know, we live, we our house is less than a half a mile away from the house where I found an old turntable in the basement of a house my mom rented after our parents got divorced, after my parents got divorced. And if I hadn't found that old turntable in that basement, I, I, I still to this day wonder if I would have ever thought about DJing. So it, it, it's, it's like that full circle moment, man, from being 12 to being 39 uh -huh. and seeing that in that museum. You know what I mean? Like, that's the piece that really got me. Do you miss DJing? Oh, you know, <laughs> I still DJ at home, but uh, for for people in crowds, absolutely not. Why not? Because that's one of the five pillars of hip hop is DJ. You know, um, where I am right now, I'm having so much fun creating still that um, that in in this current point, I don't miss it in terms of providing that for people. Because I, and here's my reason: as a DJ it's an honor to be able to provide that soundtrack for people. I mean, I saw you at Power 100. You control the energy of that entire room. No matter who was who, you control that energy. And I feel like you respect having that control over that energy. I'm not in a place right now where I would fully appreciate having that kind of control so people wouldn't get the best experience from me if I was DJing right now. Okay, outside of the other five pillars of hip hop, uh, b boying, b girling, break dancing, graffiti, emceeing, lyricism, which one do you feel still the most connected to? Well, it's not break dancing. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, deep lyricism, uh, 
last three years have really taught me that I still have a deep appreciation for that. Um, lyrical hip hop. Yeah, lyrical hip hop. Because lyrical hip hop transcends hip hop where we are now. Like lyricism, you can find hip hop lyricism in country music and pop music and R&B music. So when you look at what lyricism is in terms of hip hop, the essence of it is still poetic and still, you know, being able to be found in poetry. And it wasn't until my belief, it wasn't until hip hop that other genres found out how to be poetic in their lyricism. So, um, you know, I would still say I have a deep connection with that's probably the one DJ and yes, but lyricism is the one that I think I relate to most right now. Knowing that you still produce music today, and what what is your goal when you produce a track today? When you when you in the lab and you still being a, a creator, what's going through your mind? Like who do you do you visualize somebody on these tracks? Or are you just putting together a track and you just want to be like whoever gravitate gravitate to add that the lyricism to it? Everything is intentional right now, so it's like if if I am making something. I know where I know where it's going and who it's going to when I when I set out on that um, on that course of whatever's being made. But that's just where I am right now. There was a point when I would just make stuff and I felt like that's another thing of hip hop being expressive. Like that's a form of graffiti as well, too. Right. Just expressing yourself. But yeah. it just happens to be with music. Um but now it's intentional. Like if I'm working on something or currently what's being worked on, it's intentional. Um, it's thought out. It's planned. It's difficult not talking, but it's very it's very intentional. There's a there's a target in mind, and I'm hyper focused. So hyper focused. I didn't make myself sick, but I'm gonna get better soon. Well, don't make yourself sick, Ronnie. We need you. So. Mm -hmm. When you went to the art museum to see the culture and you was walking through and you were seeing all this, the art that has been inspired by hip hop. Mm -hmm. And did you see yourself saying, man, this thing that started out in the Bronx that also touched my heart in the 314 has touched these artists in so many different ways to express themselves. Like what was going through your mind? Like, yo, that's crazy how this music, this genre, this lifestyle has spawned these artists to make art from music? Um, Shoot, I'm not sure if I can say this or not, right? But- yeah, Come on, man, it's a podcast, man. All right, so we just got back from New York and got a chance to walk through the Book of Hove exhibit. And of course, this is months after going to the museum here in St. Louis and seeing this exhibit, okay, um, the culture. I have a deep appreciation for Jay-Z and his contributions, which filled up this entire library, right? Seven different sections. It was seven? It's seven sections. In the, it was, I didn't what, what, count it. When I, I went through this, I went to the Book of Hold. Yeah. I don't think I counted how many sections it was. Yeah, it's seven sections. Like we made we only okay. made it five. Like you got tired of walking around. But the point I'm saying is like the the you know the culture exhibit in St. Louis. To me, it still offered a little bit more because you got contributions from designers and like I saw Virgil's contributions in there. I saw others. I saw uh, I think I saw a Cardi B piece in there and. Uh, 
you know, there there's so many things you don't think of. Like there was a piece where somebody had necklaces that transformed, I want to say it was hair or something, and or it was right next to the hair. Yeah, it's little Kim wigs and stuff like that. Yeah. And just seeing that, like, it showed to me the evolution of where hip hop has not only come from, but where it's going. Like, you know, this was, you know it, you know it better than I know it. This was a genre that everybody thought was going to go away in a couple of years. Like, it was an overnight fad. And to see where it is now and to have that again come to come to my city uh man it's just there's no way to really quantify in words what it felt like you you had to you have to still go see it like my mom and mother-in-law i think went today to go see it you know it's one of those things where it transcends generations and you know people just they have some kind of love for hip-hop uh, if you have any love for hip hop, if you have no love for hip hop, right, you should still go see it to see why you don't love it. It's 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 made for everybody. Well, you know, one thing you you touched upon is what's next, right? So mm -hmm. every time I've been doing this podcast is always to ask the people that I'm talking to, how did we get to another fifty years? Because the first fifty is in the books. Everybody that's been around for the first fifty have their have how they feel about the music or the artists or or what got them into the into the music or into the lane and all that. But now some of us are a little older. And <laughs> so what what's gonna keep it going for another 50? Does does hip hop have the longevity to last another 50 years? Um so my answer is probably always different than a lot of people's, right? And I, I start with a disclaimer. We have to start distinguishing distinguishing the culture from the art form you know one is an expression and one is a lifestyle hip-hop is a lifestyle um whereas uh, rap is an art form and the way that you make sure you see the next 50 years is you have to protect the lifeline or the life form that that carries the art form and if we preserve the culture <laughs> then we're able to say whatever the next art form looks like or whatever the next evolution of the art form looks like, we'll always have the culture. We'll always have the foundation that supports it. Now, when we, like when we dilute the culture and the art form, and then the art form doesn't really represent the culture and the foundation of the culture, it becomes easy to say that it's all just one and it has lost some of the value or a lot of the value that it once had. So we do have to get back to um, preserving the culture, protecting the culture, honoring the culture and understanding what that even means. Like the culture was beyond, like it was beyond DJing, breakdancing, you know, the pillars, it was beyond that. It was, What's your community? What's family? You know, it was it was more to it than just that. So we do have to get back to some of those areas and address those, not just identify, but you know, implement ways to protect and preserve that. Um, if we have any hope of seeing hip hop one hundred, I think that the music today, mm -hmm. and I think this last year of celebrating fifty years, I think bridge a very important gap with today's artists 
in the artists that paved the way for them to be artists. I think that that was a great bridge that was, I don't think was there. I think you had a lot of current artists that learned a lot about, as you say, the culture, not mm -hmm. just about making money or thinking that, you know, this is what hip hop is or what rap music is, that, that what hip hop really is, is a culture. It was built off of certain things. And some of it I felt has been a little lost, but I feel like this year you, you, I think we was able to bridge some, some, some gaps, which kind of like for a sports analogy for this, it's like, you may have seen Michael Jordan play. Mm -hmm. You may have seen Kobe play. And you may be a current NBA superstar. But when you get a chance to sit in a room with, say, a Kobe, a Michael, a Dr. J, a Bill Russell, a Pistol Pete, mm -hmm. now you start to build generations that you didn't even know existed. So I think when I saw shows that had Run DMC on there and then Lil Wayne on there and then so-and-so on there, that's great. When you get Busta Rhymes and Corey LeRae making records, you're you're bridging gaps, gaps that will help get us to another 50 because that to me has been the best thing about this year. Not only this exhibit, the culture, but bringing back the ones that really paved the way, the ones that really built the foundation of this billion dollar industry. And to your point, that is the most gratifying thing that I think has happened for artists of today's ilk to be like, yo, it's up to you to learn from the ones previous. It's one for you to take it, move it forward. And when your time is done, it's time for you to pass it on. That's the only way this thing stays around. I don't think hip hop is disco. I think <laughs> hip hop is, is rock and roll. But, but blues was around for a long time and we see what happened to blues. So that, that, that is the reason why the question is, is very fundamental because it is to say, how do you, like you said, how do you get to hip hop 100? Is, is you got to preserve the culture. You got to understand the five pillars. And I think that this was a great example of that this year. And now we just can't let it be something that goes into the ether. You know? I, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad that this has been recorded because you just summed it up perfectly. Like that's, that's it. Like that's 100% it. Like you can't add to that. That's, that's fact. We saw a lot of opportunity. If I could add just one thing, like you got to come into it. Part of that respect has to be being a student. You got to do your homework. I was a little bit too young to fully appreciate Tribe Called Quest, Big Daddy Kane, um, and Eric B and Rakim, because you figure I'm born in 84. So I was, I without my first rap group I loved was Bone Thugs and Harmony. So you figure I was 11 years old when East 99 dropped. Um, I had to be a student, to, I had to go back and learn about what came before me and that developed that appreciation which then turned into like respect and protection. So, you know, everything you said and be a, being a student should be a prerequisite to being in hip hop. I think being in anything, if you want to be a, a, a fan or in something, you need to learn the history of who came before that well, built faith. But one of the things that, that I was happy to see this year was some of the older artists that didn't make the bag. <laughs> uh, the money wasn't there. 
But it's always like that when you're a pioneer. When you're a pioneer, it don't mean you're going to get the money. Um, 100%. But they'll also be able to sit down with some of the cats that are getting the bag and 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 just, you know, build that, build that bridge. But one of the things I want to ask you, and this is a little bit more, just like you said, Bone Thugs was your first rap group. What was the, what was the song or artist? And when you heard a verse, a lyrical, and the first thing in your mind, when you said that's art, that's not a song. Do you remember that? Do you remember that moment? You know that, what, what what's that joint? It's several. Uh, if I got to be honest, like there are some Jay-Z lines that I listen to now that were on the Black album 20 years ago. And I'm like, oh, that's what he meant. Okay, drop you know, one. Now you can put me on the spot. Um, no, I'm not. I'm just saying. I'm trying to think. No, because it's crazy because it hit me when I. So you know, okay, you were you were there at the Book of Hope, and you walk into Baseline, or the recreation of Baseline. Yeah. It was like it hit me right there because you figure that's where the setup was for the Black Album. Um, there's others too, um, and I think it's those moments. Like, it's hard to pinpoint one. Jay Z probably has the most. Eminem has some definitely. Uh, I know people don't like that, but Eminem has some definitely. You know what? Tiffany Fox has Eminem was one of her top lyricists ever. Tiffany Fox is one of the greatest artists I've ever been in the studio with. So I don't, I'm not surprised. Um, she's she's amazing, by the way. Um, I don't, there's a lot. Like there, it, I'll say this, the moments where you can come back. So, okay, when you go to a museum and you see a painting, you see it for face value right away. And sometimes it may even strike you as gold. Like there's something different, unique about this. And you don't take every painting that you see home and add it to your collection. Um, it may hit you 10 days later, 10 years later, what that piece meant, what that piece represented. And that's what I find myself with when it comes to hip hop and certain records, like what it meant to me in 2003 or 2001, like the blueprint, the blueprint had a bunch of stuff, like blueprint two, when Jay-Z was saying certain things about post 9-11 and how the blueprint came out on 9-11 and talking about certain parts of New York or what that experience was. Well, there were certain things in New York I didn't understand until I actually lived there. And then there were certain things I didn't understand about what he's saying about a record distribution process until I actually became part of that industry that understands what a record distribution process is. So some things become art after, not after the art matures, but after you're maturing as well too. And I think that's what I'm loving most about some of these lines. I know this isn't even answering the question, right? But that's what I'm loving most about where I am now at almost 40 years old, revisiting some of these songs that I listened to younger and being able to understand them, but also understand that these were probably geared towards an older audience. And my mom just trusted me to listen to stuff and not repeat it, right? So I think as we get older, you learn a lot. I mean, I, that, not just in songs, because you're right. I can go back and listen to joints that I thought I understood or heard and hear it in a completely different way. It's like, oh, I never really, I never really got that. Now, now I get it because that's life experiences. I think that what hip hop has been able to do in, in all forms, I'm talking about even today's rap music or however you want to quantify it, 
that sometimes I can catch myself hearing something like, oh, I didn't know they really got that deep. Because sometimes I think it's not that deep, but it is that deep. Yeah. I think that's what makes you makes us fans of it first. Um, I think that it's it's great that hip hop has had an opportunity in a lot of ways to be immature to mature, back to immature, back to mature, because it's a constant flow. You know, and it's like if you go back and listen to and I'm going back, like, if you go back and listen to the Funky 4 Plus 1, you're going to hear things in there that still resonate today. You just don't think that back then in the late 70s, early 80s, they would be rhyming about stuff we still dealing with 50 years later. That's mm -hmm. it, it's crazy. It's like we still ain't involved out of certain things that are that, that are just society problems. But the one of the things that I do love about the culture art exhibit is that you get to see music interpreted through artists' eyes, which is different um, from a DJ or a producer or a rapper. These are artists that have taken their experiences with the music and turned it into something that you can feel and touch, which, yeah. is, which to me is very hard to do. Um, because it's, it is like, wow, how did you think of that? How did that come to you? How did that hit your mindset? And then how did you figure out how to put that together? Like, I couldn't do that. So I, I do want people to experience the art museum um, when it, you know, before it leaves St. Louis or if it comes to a city near you, because I think that it shows you how big this music, because it really did start out as, well, the originators of it wasn't even really thinking about making records. They were just rocking parties. <laughs> It really was a DJ was the star and the MC was there to prop up the DJ. Yep. And most people don't really realize that. Like, it really wasn't done to make money. It was just to rock parties. And from yeah. that, it became a music industry. It's, uh, so what you just said, like, is, is triggering the thought like you know a couple of years ago everything was shut down right COVID and I never will yeah. forget your birthday party and DJing your virtual birthday party was probably the last thing I DJ right so DJing your virtual party and the request list that you had a certain stuff you wanted to hear was like a homework assignment for me in some cases because I'm like you want me to play some records that I don't even know who they are and that is what the museum felt like to me. It was like there were some things there that I still had to go back and do some research on. Like the culture, I feel like if you're somebody that says you're a hip hop head, right, then you have that title understanding that you don't know everything about hip hop. So it's like when you get a chance to walk through an exhibit like the culture, you walk in there with the expectation, at least I walked in there with the expectation, Tiff did too, of understanding that our kids are completely foreign to 95% of this probably, 99 even maybe. And we're also going to be, be oblivious and teachable to 40%, 50% of it as well too. Like it was a true learning experience. Yes, you can appreciate it. Um, it was almost like you can have nostalgia and you can reminisce, but it was a learning moment. Like it was a, 
It was a crash course in hip hop through art and everything you could, again, say you can feel it. Like you could feel each contribution in that exhibit and the passion that kept, that came from it. Like it's hard to explain what that experience was. Where it will be in a hundred years, it'll be in like one of these things or something else. Like it'll be in a VR headset. Like we'll be able to experience it and walk through it. If we do it right, we'll we'll evolve it. We'll we'll make sure that you know hip hop is always accessible and that people are always able to people are always able to appreciate it and learn from it. I know for a fact what we do today in education and curriculum and school re uh, redevelopment and everything else that we do, I know for a fact, none of it would be happening today without hip hop. The, the pillars of it, our first lessons were about cool DJ Herc. So then we were teaching kids that knew nothing about cool DJ Herc and Africa Bambada about music and about how DJing started and music production, and then showing the technology of old and the technology of today. And though those aren't the main points of lessons that we teach now, nine years later, almost 10 years later, that's our foundation. So part of the job of making sure, and I should have gave this answer before, but part of the answer of making sure of how hip hop is around 100 years from now, 50 years from now, is how do we fit hip hop into our everyday lives and responsibilities? You can take from some of those pillars, some of those concepts, some of those ideologies and, you know, interweave them in the fabric of what we already do. And that's how you keep hip hop alive. And that's how you evolve hip hop. I mean, that's all sums up a lot, gets you to think about a lot, but as, as we move forward and you're still a part of that because you're still a creator, you're still a person that's inside the culture as a, as a husband, as a father, you are guiding, you're still creating, um, you're a part of keeping it going for another 50 years. So Ronnie Notch, I salute you. Thank you for, thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. Uh, love seeing you in the museum. Uh, <laughs> I know, think about that, man. That's, but that's a, that's a big, big thing to be immortalized in something like that. So that, no. that's, but that's also think about that, that you were, you were contacted because of your contribution to not just to St. Louis, but to the culture. No, I, I like I say, it's a. Uh, I had to make sure they really wanted to reach me because, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, you you appreciate it, but you also don't get too big on yourself. So you guys want to make sure. Like, before I get excited, you sure you're trying to reach me? But I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. So many generations were out there. That's what it's about. Like, there are so many people I don't know, and getting a chance to learn about them and who they are and this next generation. Like let's let's do for them what we what many of us claim weren't done for us. And the proof of that, the proof of what that day, let's say there's day one of us helping them. Well, day one is at the museum, at the culture in that picture. That should be the day that we all look at and say, I'm gonna make the decision that I'm gonna make sure that your path isn't as hard as mine was. That's how you keep it alive too. That's art.